Hello and welcome to the Starting On South podcast. He is Chris Marler. I am Connor O'Gara. Somehow, someway, it is week seven. I have still not figured out the basic concept of time, but week seven is here. I, I know I'm not supposed to say it's it's the halfway point of the season. Well, you've but already ruined it once, so I mean. I, I'm sorry. Yeah. Los Santos, as they say. We have a segment called mid-season stuff, so I mean. I, I warned you. I, I gave you time true. to be yeah. ready for that it. Was nice. We're, we're, we're going to get to that. Um, my We're going to talk a little bit about um, my surprise um, mid-season All-SEC team guys who weren't first or second team picks in the preseason who have been really, really impressive so far in the first half of the year. We're, of course, going to talk LSU-Georgia. We've got a bunch of other stuff to get to today. Fourth and wrong, of course. Um, but before we do all that, got to talk to you guys about our friends at Ticket City. Maybe you're going to LSU-Georgia. You're trying to get some last-minute tickets. You know who you should call? Ticket City. If you're trying to get to Baton Rouge, you're trying to get to anywhere in the SEC, you got to go to Ticket City. SDS is excited to once again be partnering with Ticket City for all of their ticket needs. Our relationship with, with them goes back several years as they continue to be a leader in the ticket space, especially for college football fans. Getting tickets for college football games could not be easier when using Ticket City, and they have the best prices. All you're going to do, use that promo code CMBF10. That's CMBF10. You're going to get 10% off your tickets now. Whether it's for this upcoming Saturday, week seven, or for later in the season, get your tickets now on Ticket City. Hot ticket in the SEC this week. It's Georgia. It's LSU. It's Baton Rouge. We think it's going to be electric. Why should this game not be the SEC game of the year so far? I, I don't know why we would – it definitely is. Right. That's what yeah. – I'm just making sure. Yeah. I mean, right. and if you look at it, I would say probably the other two of the top three would be LSU. LSU, Auburn, LSU, Florida. Probably, yeah. Vanderbilt, That's an interesting Tennessee State. That's close, very close. Yeah. Um, up there, but maybe not quite number one. Jake Fromm is going for his first win against a top 15 team on the road in this one. And on the flip side, Joe Burrow is going for his first win against a ranked team at home. Something has to give. <laughs> Sorry, my coach O is, is very not yeah, good. Well, you doing your bad, we gonna, I like it. <laughs> uh, but but in a way, this these two teams are, are kind of similar right now in that both of their offensive lines are kind of banged up. These are teams that, you know, I, I would say still very much want to be in that potential one loss and get into the college football playoff conversation. We're going to talk a little they, bit more about that. I think both of them want to. I think both of them want that. Right. I mean, but theoretically, they have a realistic chance right. of actually doing right. it, which a lot of other teams do not. So what I, I find interesting, the fact that Fromm comes into this game as accomplished of a quarterback as he is. We rave about Jake Fromm. I think he's the second best quarterback in the SEC next to Tua. This is a huge opportunity for him, and not necessarily one that uh, he handled well last year if you go back to the Auburn game. Right. Different animal, but similar in, in many regards. It, it was a hostile environment, a defense that could flat out get after him, and a defense that could shut down the running game as well. Do you think this is going to be a game where we see Jake Fromm take the next step? I mean, I'm confused on the question as to what the next step would be, <laughs> because this is a kid that I don't think the sample size is necessarily big enough to think of him being a finished product by any means. Right. But it's a kid that his first start was on the road at Notre Dame. That's, a, I mean, pretty impressive. He, I mean, he's, pretty impressive. I know he, he did not look great 
uh, at Auburn. I know how bad Tennessee was last year, but going on the road a couple weeks after that Notre Dame game, beating Tennessee 41 nothing at, you know, at Neyland Stadium, you know, the SEC championship game after you just got drubbed by Auburn and beating them 28 to 7, the Rose Bowl, the national championship. He's been in big environments before. I don't think he's seen anything like this. I know he hasn't seen yeah. anything like this. This is going to be crazy. I think it will be very similar to what he saw at Jordan Hare. I mean, Jordan Hare was was rocking last year. I mean, that that it seemed like nobody in the country could win at Jordan Hare in November last year. Right. And I, you know, well, when you beat two number one teams, obviously that that's kind of that point. But here's the thing: is that you look at what he's done, and he's so accomplished, and he's done a lot of things extremely well. But can this be this type of game that moves him into the Heisman conversation all of a sudden? And we're talking about a guy who is the quarterback of the number two team in the country and is blossoming before our eyes and is maybe, you know, if he's the reason that they are able to win at LSU, then does that maybe change the conversation, how we look at him? And does he have even less skeptics than the Jordan Rodgers of the world? I mean, first off, I just got the last last part of what you said. I don't know if this, like, puts him into the Heisman race. It should, in my opinion, because, you know, going into the season, I said this was the best option out of anybody in the SEC for, like, a clear-cut Heisman candidate. It was this guy. Yep, you did um, say that. I mean, he went 24 touchdowns, 7 picks last year. He's been really solid this year. But I don't know if he's got Heisman numbers, per se. I will say this. He's been way more than a game manager. People give him credit for Or people need to give him credit for that. Um, and their running game at Georgia has not been anywhere as, I don't want to say as good, but, like, dependable. It's probably a better way to put it, as they were last year. So he's had to do more, and he's going to have to continue to do more. But when you're talking about a guy that's only got seven, he's seventh, I think, in the SEC in total passing yards, um, I think he has the same amount of passing yards as Joe Burrow. But he also has double his touchdowns. He has 12 touchdowns. So I've been impressed with him all year. I, I think a big road game like this, if it's something where he has to put the team on his back, where they're not able to get like anything established on the run game, and he has to go win them a ball game, which which usually happens once a year. You got to have your quarterback go win you a ball game. If that's the case, then I mean, yeah, it's a perfect time to do it. Going right in November. Matchup I'm excited to see is Jake Fromm against this LSU secondary. Yeah. LSU secondary that is so so good. Grant Delpit, Christian Fulton are both having monster years in the back end of Dave Aranda's defense. And I think Georgia's receivers are actually kind of turning the corner. We talk a lot about Michael Hardman and the speed that he has, but. Riley Ridley as well, a game changer for them, and Terry Godwin finally gets Man. into the gets into the end zone last week. Had that big touchdown, open the game, and a guy who was banged up at the start of the season. Uh, but you know, this is this is a still such a, a great test for Jake Fromm in that he hasn't seen the pressure that LSU is going to provide. Right. And we saw the way that Florida got off the ball against LSU last week and how big of a game changer that was. I think LSU was able to do something very similar because Coach O always has that defense ready to go. Right. I think coming off of what they did last week and having that heartbreaking loss in Gainesville, I think this is an LSU defensive front that gets after it in a way that Jake Fromm has not seen yet this season and probably hasn't seen since the national right. championship against Alabama. And, you know, at the linebacking core, you have – you know, basically what, what Roquan Smith was last year for Georgia. And Devin White. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, the defense is going to be great. That that crowd is going to be nuts. Oof. It's going to be nuts. And in games like this, I kind of worry that Coach O does too much. Like, this is not necessarily like a backs-against-the-wall type situation yet. Like, you need to win to stay in the playoff consideration. I would maybe. 
But it kind of, but kind of is though. Sure. It, it is in many ways because but if you like... suffer that second loss, you're out of the you're out of the West race. Right. We're going to talk a little bit about that subject later on, but this is kind of a backs against the wall game where he could easily play out that narrative and say, "Hey, you finally suffered that loss, and are you gonna are you gonna give in to what people were saying about you in right. the preseason that you're not legit, you're not a top ten team, all that stuff?" So I think he could play that angle up very. Oh yeah, I'm sure, but I, I mean like more in terms of. Yeah, you know, if it's a fourth and short in the fourth quarter or you, you know, pull a fake out of nowhere late like late in the game, that makes sense. But early in the game, let's keep our composure, Coach O. Let's not get freaked out. Let's not get all panicked, lose our composure, have a big old problem meltdown, first half. Let's wait till it get nighttime. Bound rule, dead valley. Curve the coach on the other side. Like <laughs> Speaking of him, uh, isn't it amazing to think that he was the LSU defensive backs coach in 2004 on a staff that included Will Muschamp as defensive coordinator, Jimbo Fisher as offensive coordinator, oh, that guy Nick Saban as head coach, and then, oh, by the way, you've got Dan Radakovich as senior associate AD, who's now the AD at Clemson. you got Scott Woodward, who's the he, at the time at LSU, he was the director of external affairs, obviously now the Texas A&M AD, who gave Jimbo Fisher a blank check. And, oh, you've got Mark Emmert, who was the LSU chancellor, and he is now the NCAA president. We were all so innocent. Jamarcus <laughs> Russell had no was idea. under 290 pounds. I mean, what a time to be alive. Was he really? I mean, I would hope so because he was in college. Because he was in like eighth grade or something. I mean, well, I think no, 2003, 2004. 2004, yeah, 2004. He was a freshman. He, okay, never mind. Yeah, yeah he was a freshman. Please, God, tell me he was under that weight. <laughs> Russell's gonna be good if he makes weight. Um, yeah, I mean that's pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy. <laughs> I, I I would look forward to seeing those graphics. We're gonna uh, we're definitely gonna see one of those photos um, in the broadcast when they show oh, yeah. they like highlight the four guys in the in the picture. Right. And they're like, hey, Will Mustrap was here, Kirby Smart was here, Nick Saban was here, and Dan, like Derek Dooley's just like under the bleachers, like peeking up, like <laughs> he'll, he'll he'll probably just like make an appearance somehow. If Kirby Smart is able to win this game, the West is over. The West race is done. Shout out to my guys. Uh, at WHBQ in Memphis because they brought this up when I was on their show yesterday, the show that I do every Tuesday with them, Sick Brag. Uh, Alabama's going to have a two-game division lead, essentially, if LSU loses this game because a and is still sitting. Yeah, A&M will sit there with one loss, but because Bama beat them, that's essentially a two-game advantage. Look around the rest of the division. Auburn suffered its second loss oh, in conference yeah. play. This you division is like all of a sudden over. Yeah, no, I know, I know you don't. Well, and, I mean, and like, that's I assuming hope that LSU wins. Then, uh, well, for the sake of boring rest of the year, for the sake of the division, that that would be more interesting. But if Georgia wins this game, the East is still very interesting in many ways. In that you know you still have those upcoming games. Georgia still has those upcoming games against Florida and against Kentucky, right. both of which are away from Stanford Stadium. So you would. Look at this situation four weeks ago and say there's no way that the SEC West is going to be decided in the middle of October and the SEC East a week is ago, just getting interesting. A week ago when you had three teams in the division ranked in the top eight, a, like a, a week apart, <laughs> just like it's like, that. well, it's, the entire season's over. I mean, it'd be cool if like that did happen because it'd be about time. Like I think it's long overdue that Tua finally gets some national pub and some recognition. He doesn't get enough of that. Um <laughs> And it'd like, like be good to finally get Bama's name out there a little bit. I, I thought you were going to say it'd be good to finally not have to sweat out the Iron Bowl. Oh, no, the Iron Bowl doesn't matter. Everyone knows that. Yeah, uh, that's what last year reminded us. Um, so one of the 
the potential implications of this game if LSU wins and something that I've been saying for a while because LSU has the big time non-conference win against Miami and their resume is going to be good enough as potentially an 11 and one team right. if their lone loss is to Florida although I think they would under this new scenario they would still get into the SEC championship but whatever let's just say that hypothetically there is like an 11 one LSU or an 11 one or even a 12 and one Georgia rather 12 and one Georgia because okay. they would theoretically lose in the SEC championship to Alabama or something like this. This was thrown out there, and this was a big topic of discussion this week. I saw this from Kirk Herbstreet, and I saw Kirk Herbstreet didn't say this opinion. Laura Rutledge went on Get Up and, and threw this opinion out there. And I don't mean this to crush Laura Rutledge because I think she's really good at what she she's does. She's an angel. Don't and I would, do that. I would hate to live in her mentions. I absolutely would. But she said that if the selection committee feels that the Alabama-Georgia loser passes the eye test that 12-0 Notre Dame could get left out of the college football playoff. There's no chance. And that's, and that's just wrong on so many levels. Well, first of all, I, it's not wrong. I would not say it's wrong. There's no, there's no part of me that would say it's wrong. All right. Well, it's, Notre it's Dame, a lot of it's coming from bias, and I'm reacting in the moment right now. But 12-0 Notre Dame is not getting left out of the college football playoff. No, can, but, I'm, put but that when you say that'd be instantly. so wrong. You mean like the take is wrong, or like it would? No, be, the take. Yeah, the take oh, okay, is okay. wrong. The yeah. take is wrong. Yeah, that my makes bad, sense. Okay, it's to fight yeah. you through um, this FaceTime. I mean, <laughs> Notre Dame. Yeah, I mean they they pretty much have like solidified their chance of getting to the college football playoff. It, <sighs> so if anyone wants to throw this out there, and I think there's people are going to say this late in the season because if Notre Dame doesn't have to play in a conference championship, and oh, Notre Dame's getting the easy path to the playoff. Oh, by the way, Alabama didn't have to play in a conference championship last year. Okay, I mean, oh, by all the way, right, Ohio okay. State didn't have to play in the national championship in 20, or Ohio State didn't have to play in a conference championship right. in 2016 either and still made the field. But here's why I bring this up, because I think there's a belief that Notre Dame is somehow getting an easier road because you look at the schedule right now and you could say for the last month and a half of the season that they don't have a top 25 team left on their schedule. That is factually correct. As of right now, we're assuming that USC is not going to become a top 25 team. But consider this. Notre Dame plays 10 Power 5, ten, power five teams. They're basically an ACC team. Right. I mean, Georgia and Alabama are only going to play 9 Power 5 teams this year. A 12-0 Notre Dame team would have 3 wins against top 25 teams. They already have all 3 of those wins. 12-1 Georgia or 12-1 Alabama would have theoretically, four wins against top 25 teams. That's just with the top 25, the way that it is now. If right. it stays exactly the same, we know that never happens like that. USC could easily end the season as a top 25 team to even that up and make that right. four top 25 wins for each one of those teams. So here, here's the thing that bothers me because the comment that, that Laura Rutledge made about the eye test and about Georgia and Alabama potentially looking better on paper and passing the eye test, whereas Notre Dame wouldn't at 12-0. Notre Dame is 3-0 against its top 25 teams, and it outscored them by 50 points. Blew their doors off. Yeah. I mean, wasn't wasn't close. Like, who was dominated. it? At Vatek. At Vatek, went into Blacksburg. Dominion. Yeah. Went into Blacksburg. I know Old Dominion won there, but other than that, you know, still a difficult place to play. Yeah, well, no, I mean, they lost um, Old Dominion on the road, but okay. I mean. Killed Stanford. Killed Stanford. Beat Michigan. You know, in a game that many people, myself included, thought Michigan was going to go into South Bend and win in the season opener, that win still looks pretty good as Michigan continues to rack up wins. I think Michigan yeah, even wins on Saturday that. night. I would agree with that. So this belief that you're going to leave out a Notre Dame team that is at 12-0, would the selection committee would never do that. No, there's blow no up chance. the entire system. It's, there's it's no Notre way. Because it's Notre Dame. But at the same time, 
it is, there's no part of me that would think that Notre Dame, they're a better football team than they were last year or they were in 2012 or any of that. And it's hard not to like kind of look at those games. You know, Georgia beat them last time they played at home. Um, Bama beat the brakes off of them. And that was like one of the best Notre Dame teams of all time. Totally different team. They're a much better team this year. That being said, it would be tough to stomach if Georgia and Bama both go undefeated, play in the SEC championship game, have a really hard-fought battle, and, you know, Bama wins by 38 because of Tua. And then, no, but, I mean, all jokes aside, one of them loses and Notre Dame gets to go over the other one. Here's what's more likely to happen. And this is, I'm frustrated that this point didn't get brought up because it should. 12-1 and one Clemson is more likely to get left out in that scenario because the ACC lost, is not good. I'm, I'm saying theoretically a 12-1 and one oh. Clemson team because if Clemson runs a table, obviously that's a different discussion. If Ohio State runs a table, different discussion. But a 12-1 and one Clemson team that has that one stumble in ACC play, which, you know, last two years they've been susceptible to that loss. Right. Syracuse lost to Pitt. If that happens, Clemson's the team that gets left, that gets left out. I mean, it's, it's, it's not, yeah, and I don't think there's any question about that because you're, you're just not leaving out a 12-0 Notre Dame team. So let's, let's move on from that because I know people are, are frustrated with I'm all this Notre Dame talk. I can tell you're triggered. Well, if you look at like let's ESPN, talk about a subject. real quick, ESPN Power Football Index, Football Power Index, Bama, Ohio State, Georgia, Clemson, Penn State, Penn State's 4-1, Michigan is 6th. Ahead of Notre Dame. That makes no sense. Michigan doesn't have a quality win yet. Yeah, I don't really understand. What, there's a lot of numbers on there. <laughs> I don't, I don't get really that get at it, all. But I'm just saying. Probably because they, if, if they win out, they would have to beat Ohio State. They would have to beat Penn State, I would think. And they'd yeah, they have to win the uh, Big Ten Championship against whatever mercenary they just throw up there. Wisconsin. Yeah. Let's talk about a subject that you are a little bit more What now, <laughs> Connor? About. I can tell you were getting a little bit triggered. I hate Notre Dame so much. They just I know I, I will never I know forgive you them for ruining that that Georgia would have beat them by the same amount, the same score. You are gonna be at Mizzou and Alabama this weekend. You're excited for that at night, Tuscaloosa. Unless all of a sudden you're not going. You gave me a look no, just no, now. No, like, I'm still just okay. I'm mad about the Notre Dame thing. Okay, just making sure. Yeah. Uh this game is a four touchdown spread. Let's be honest. We're not expecting right. Mizzou to go into Tuscaloosa and make Tua throw a pass in the fourth quarter because who else has been able to do that? This is a big game for Drew Locke's bank account. That's what I'm probably most interested in seeing right. is can Drew Locke finally um, replicate what he did 2017 first half against Georgia where he goes off and actually looks like an NFL quarterback right. against a quality team. Um, Alabama secondary comes in off of the, the bad performance last week. And, oh, by the way, you lose Trayvon Diggs to a broken foot. He is out for the year. Season, we learned yeah. that today. Yeah, that, that's that's a tough thing to overcome. He was kind of the, the guy who, who changed the flow of that Ole Miss game after the you know opening play touchdown, and he comes in and then gets the, the pass breakup on the, on the very, you know, the second play from scrimmage, whatever it was. So are you nervous a little bit? Even though Mizzou is going to be without Emmanuel Hall, which is Drew Locke's best deep threat, are you nervous a little bit at all just about this Bama secondary, what you saw last week against a guy who can stretch the field in Drew Locke? I mean, I'm not nervous about them losing by any means. But, yeah, I, don't, I think this line is way too high, for one. I think Interesting. people are really, like, people are really, I don't want to say sleeping on Mizzou because they've, 
you know, we I think at this point we kind of know who they are under Barry Odom. Um, sorry, there's a hurricane coming through Atlanta. That's why all the sirens are going on. Anyway, I, I think we know who they are under Barry Odom at, at least a little bit. I think Drew Locke has gotten like an unfair amount of criticism, and like and we do it on here a lot. I mean, you do. I'm not gonna take the blame for that. But no, like the, the stat we talked about, like 141 minutes against Power Five teams that without a touchdown. I looked it up. It was 157. Was it really? Yeah, it was 157. Ugh. So it's even longer. Even worse. Okay. Yeah. I'm still gonna defend them. Last week against South Carolina, they had so many drops in the end zone. They mm-hmm. had Emmanuel Hall out. They should have won that game several times. Several times. So if they win that game, they go in this week into what four and one. Yeah, and that's what Saban brought that up. He's like, this team has lost a couple of close games. You know, they could easily be, you know, sitting there with a much better record. Their perspective would be much different. I know they lose the Georgia game, um, you know, by a couple touchdowns, but that was still a game that you felt like, as a Mizzou fan, you felt like you were in, and if a couple, you know, you you don't get that fumble on Alberto, whatever it was, miss call here, miss call there, uh, and that game is different. That's what you know, a lot of people would say right. if they're looking at the glass half full approach with Mizzou. But you bring up a good point because Nick Saban has hyped up Mizzou all week and he's really said that we're not treating them like a team that's 0-2 in SEC play, all that stuff. The, the typical stuff you would expect to hear from Nick Saban. Right. I asked Barry Odom about Drew Locke and his recent struggles on the SEC coaches teleconference and basically he brought up the points that you did, that you know, being without Emmanuel Hall was was brutal, had a couple drops in the end zone against South Carolina, you had the monsoon, all that stuff. I, I get all of that. Here's what I want to see with Drew Locke though. Can he actually hang in the pocket, not do this thing where he does the little backpedal and is fading and gets no mustard on his ball? Right whenever he gets pressure because that's that's the biggest problem I have with Drew Locke is that you hate to see quarterbacks who kind of get in their own head a little bit and it seems like they kind of psych themselves out because the talent is is so there he's got the arm strength there's no doubt about that in my mind but if he tells himself that there's more pressure than there is right it's going to be a long night and it's going to those struggles that we've talked about with him against winning teams in SEC play they're just going to continue so um, yeah, Barry Odom basically said like we're not worried about him. I, you know, he and, and Derek Dooley are on the same page in this offense. Right. Obviously, we'd love to have Manuel Hall out there, but we feel confident that he's going to be able to still maximize this opportunity. Not maybe try and do too much, which would be an easy thing for a first round prospect to do, yeah, given Alabama. the fact that this is Alabama. I mean, this is a big time opportunity for Drew Locke with you know big big stage, bright lights are going to be on One him. Of the I'm very curious to see how he does. Um, She's just going to keep bringing that always, up. Always, and forever. Oh. No, I mean, uh, and one more thing about Notre Dame. I mean, Rudy wouldn't have played in the SEC. Moving on. Um, Missouri <laughs> is, I mean, Albert O is one of the best tight ends, if not the best tight end, in the, uh, in, the in the conference. Bama could in not the country. cover. In the country, also not that, just in the conference. Also that. Bama couldn't cover a tight end to save its life last week. True. They, I mean, True. they looked pretty bad on, on defense. They gave up 22 first downs. 22 first downs. Ty Story completed 17 to 25 passes in the first half. And now you lose Stephon Diggs, who's been really great all year. Tra- Trayvon, Trayvon Diggs. Diggs. Stephon yeah. Diggs is his older brother. Exactly. Receiver also for lose Vikings, him. He's not going to be at this game either, from what I've heard. He will not be. Um, the problem for me is Emmanuel Hall. If Emmanuel Hall is out, this offense is totally different. It is. And Bama's rush, like running def- or rush defense has been pretty bad as well. They give up like 134 yards per game. I've never... I don't remember the last time I've seen that. It's been over a decade. On the, 
on the SEC coaches teleconference, there was a guy who basically called out Saban and was like, your run defense is allowing over four yards of carry. Bad. What's up with that? And he's like, I know you're not happy about that. And Saban's like, well, yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, I'm just not satisfied with the, Love the Belichick. That, that was more voice. of a Belichick. Yeah. yeah. That's good, though. Yeah. I mean, the uh, why am I drawing a blank on this? The, our, our guy from Last Chance U from Arkansas. Oh, Rakeem Boyd, yeah. yeah. He, he ran for 100 yards. Like It was like one of the most quiet yep. stats of like the entire week. I mean, I think Missouri's going to put up points. I think Drew Locke is going to put up some decent yards. I think he scores a, a touchdown and throws for a passing touchdown. Emmanuel Hall was the guy who had the two 63-yard touchdowns right. in that first half against Georgia last year. I, I just have not seen somebody no. who can take the top off a of defense. It's tough to sit here and say that they're going to have all this downfield success. I know Bama secondary is banged up, but that, that obviously is the matchup that we're looking forward to. Um, over under real quick to a second half passes over, over under is 4.5 over. I mean, I think, I think it's going to be a closer game in the first half. People think because, really? Missouri, because Missouri's defense is better than they get credit for. They're they're They've been much better yeah. at stopping the run, but against um, the pass stopping, Ooh. stopping the Tua. I yeah. Don't, they're yeah. like 115th in the country in pass defense, but like 20th against the run. Yeah. Tell us about the shirt that you're going to be wearing. Uh, on Saturday. Yeah. Pretty pumped about this. Just went and visited our, our boss, old Duff down in Orlando. And, um, we were talking, you know, uh, one, like how the narratives kind of changed at Bama, you know, a lot, like every, probably every SEC fan base has one point has had someone yell at their TV, um, run the dang ball. Come on now, Paul, come on. A lot of vowels involved, a lot of anger involved, a lot of armchair quarterbacking involved. So we've partnered with Breaking Tea to produce a fun new shirt for fans, uh, fans of certain teams that we have often loved that phrase, run the damn ball. Uh, with the rise of certain young, fantastic Hawaiian quarterbacks, we thought it might be appropriate to switch that up a bit. So it, not Mackenzie Milton, by the no, way. No, absolutely um, not. He's the worst. Um, lefty Hawaiian quarterbacks. Yeah, not not double so not M, Jordan Tomo either. But yeah, yeah, T squared, not M squared. Yeah. Um, right. Anyway, we got a fun new shirt that says "Throw the damn ball," themed after our good friend that I'll be seeing live this weekend. He will go nameless right now. Um, hell, I'm going to be wearing it when I when I head to T town this weekend. All weekend. Probably not going to change out of it. Uh, you know I'm not going to shower. You know how I get. So everyone's going to notice it. It's going to look awesome. Everyone's going to probably notice me wearing it, I think, a lot. Because, I mean, at some point, you think it comes off? I probably won't take it off. No, you won't. No. You really won't. But you know what I will do? I'll probably change out of it and put another one on because you know I'm going to sweat. You're a big sweater. Yeah. Do you have baby wipes with you? Uh, did, have you taken that no, up yet? My suggestion. Can do attitude, and, and that's it. Yeah, and deodorant. So yeah. go ahead and get more than one if you're like me. Grab two of them. Grab two of them. See what I did there? Oh, that was what? good. That you was can good. get the shirt now while supplies last at breakingt.com slash TTDB. That's breaking the letter T slash TTDB. We posted it all over our social media. It looks really good. I'm really pumped. It's really yeah. cool. I don't like a lot it's of like really Bama cool. shirts that because I usually like really, really dumb. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Who said anything about a Bama shirt? That's also I, true. I don't like a lot of like yeah. fan shirts. Like right, anytime right, you, right. you know, we talked about this, like anytime you put the, uh, like the date or like the year, because then you know it gets. You can't wear like a SEC championship or you know like a showdown from like 2002. That's not cool. This is ageless. Yeah, my uh, 2016 Chicago Cubs World Series mat that's outside mm. of my front door right now. Uh, that's timeless as well. Yeah. So just it's hard. It's hard to there. find like good fan shirts. This is a good. It actually fan is. Shirt. This is a good fan shirt. Definitely. Plenty of people are going to be wearing fan shirts and sweating through them because. Columbia, hottest place in the world, yeah. as we know. Texas A&M, South Carolina, 
Will Muschamp is going with Jake Bentley over Michael Skarn, threat level midnight. Uh, that's assuming Jake Bentley is healthy, of course. Now, if he is a, if he's still banged up for this one, that you know he's going to turn to Michael Skarn in his moment of need. But Jake Bentley as the starter, right or wrong move? Wrong, completely wrong. I'm I'm shocked. I'm shocked that this is even happening. I'm not shocked. All right. Well, I mean, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not either. I, I don't. I'm, what do you think? Is it right <laughs> well, or wrong? Well, no, no, no. Right or wrong is a different question between being surprised and not surprised. I mean, I'm going to say it's wrong and I'm surprised. I'm going to put your brain in a pretzel here. Oh, God, it's already there. We already know the marketing efforts that South Carolina has has gone through to make Jake Bentley the guy. The guy. Brought him to SEC Media Days twice. Makes him the spokesperson of the team. Rallies around You don't get him. that money back from the hotel. He's had bad... He's had bad games throughout his career. That's true. You don't get that yeah. money back. He's had bad games throughout his career, and it's never been in question whether or not he's going to be the starter. Every single chance that Will Muschamp can give him confidence, he has always gone out of his way to do just that. Right. And everybody, the talk was, can this finally be Will Muschamp's first good quarterback? Even though Will Muschamp's a defensive mind, yeah. that's still a stigma that he has to shake. Well, we've always wants. wanted to see Muschamp mold a quarterback into what you know what he would want in a quarterback which is like a 260 like NFL blitz type style guy <laughs> that only runs the power option and he's working on it. I mean, yeah, he's Jake Bentley's been putting on weight, he's getting there. So, I would say that this move did not surprise me for that and I threw that on Twitter and people were like, "You can't you can't say that though because you got to just go with the the guy who's going to give you the best chance to win." Obviously, I agree with all that. I Then why'd Michael you say Scar- it, Connor? Michael Scarn might might give South Carolina the best chance to win. He, does. he might be the better quarterback. So, I I I would be okay with that. I would have no problem making that move. The stat, and the stat you gave out last week about the two hundred yards, yards, three touchdowns, three touchdowns zero, no interceptions, zero interceptions against yeah. a power five school. That Bentley's never done that. He's been the starter for two and a half years. We know who Jake Bentley is. He is who High we schooler. thought they that he they they is. See what I did there? Mm-hmm. Boom. Yeah. So, I mean, I think you keep the hot hand in quotes, and you shouldn't lose your job to, like because of injury. But you also but need to happens. win this game. Yeah, exactly. They, they need Look to win Jake this Beeson. game. I, yeah. One, our, our good friend, One Bearded Golfer, brought this up. He's great. Shout out One Bearded Golfer. Um, brought up a great point about this. And he was, uh, he was listening to uh, a radio show. I can't remember which one it was. But he talked about how the great teams, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, all went with younger, more talented guys at quarterback. Right. And they took this risk when it wasn't necessarily the obvious choice. And, you know, we can look back on all three of those situations and say, well, in hindsight, of course you would go with those guys. But at the time, there are some big-time implications with turning to the younger guy, the less experienced guy, because you think he's got the best chance to win. Oh, by the way, Oklahoma fires the defensive coordinator after he suffers his first loss. Great teams are willing to say, hey, we need to make sure that we are not wasting this opportunity and we need to do the best. We need to do what's best for our team moving forward to win a national championship. Stop giving up forty-five minutes of time possession to Army. You got to go. Yeah, I mean, just a, a simple thought, yeah. maybe. Um, but I, I, I think that that's a really good point, and it's something to remember as we talk about all of these mid-season changes and, and stuff, because we're going to see more of this. And I think right. as as teams fall out of contention, we're definitely going to see more situations. Maybe even within the SEC where we have quarterback discussions, maybe even at Kentucky. I hate to throw our guy neighbor Terry Wilson under the bus, but just saying, if you got a better chance with a different guy, right. maybe you gotta go with Let it. Let Benny Snell play quarterback. Let him or do Josh it. Allen. The Wildcat, 
Oh, Josh Allen, a quarterback. Yeah. How have we, how have we not thought of that? Cash Daniel? Um, oh, just lining now up. he is the ultimate Will Muschamp quarterback. Cash yes, Daniel. Agreed. He, I mean, he would be he would thrive in that system that Muschamp probably doesn't really have. But I mean, man, he would get so much helmet to helmet stuff called on him as an offensive yeah. player. It would be offensive target. Right. Plus, I think if he played quarterback, he would uh, like change his helmet to where if there's like a like that middle nose bar like that comes like right down yep. the, the middle of your. Mm-hmm. It'd be cool to see a quarterback play with that. I think Cash Daniel would would definitely. Without a doubt, that. yeah. Uh, Jake Bentley, his chances of going into this game with any sort of confidence, I think, is is tough given what we saw last week from the offense. Moving better without him, um, I, I think against Mike Elko's defense, I've talked about him a lot. I think this is going to be a big time struggle for him, even though this is this is a home game. Thoughts and prayers to to Williams Bryce in the field because don't know how it's recovered, but. We're gonna find out. So, are you are you buying Jake Bentley's chances of actually being, you know, the guy that that South Carolina fans have, have been hoping for? Do you no. think this little bit of pressure? I mean, I'm not buying it at all because he hasn't shown that he can be that guy. Like, I, I get if you're a freshman, it makes sense to kind of give somebody the benefit of the doubt and like you know see like watch him develop all or develop all that kind of stuff. He, I mean, this is who he is now. He's at least 15 years old. Okay, mm-hmm, training wheels are off. I mean, he has he threw three picks against Kentucky. I understand Kentucky's a good, a, a really really good defense. Every time he gets like a moment to wow us or you know disprove the narrative that's already out about him, doesn't do it. And like you you want to give him like you know a a pass because it was against UGA, but then you can't really give him a pass when it's like oh UGA and Kentucky and all of last season and pretty much all this season. So no, I'm not buying that. Jake Bentley has not necessarily impressed in the first half of this season. I came up with this idea. More like Jake 300M. For... <laughs> I came up. Wow, you are you're feeling yourself Boom. today. I can tell. I'm waking up a little bit. Here we go. I, I came up with uh, this idea to do for the midseason point of uh, of the year. We are entering week seven. I know I say that was the nice. midseason yeah, at a whisper I because okay. I don't want to say that that loud. Um, but this is my all SEC midseason didn't see that coming team. And the guys who are exempt from making this team appeared on preseason, first team, and second team all SEC ballots. And I think that for the most part, these guys were not expected to become stars. And I think the, the majority of the guys that are on this list are in starring roles right now and have a legitimate chance to end the season with all SEC honors. Right. Some of the guys who made the cut, quarterback, my quarterback I thought was easiest position to pick on this entire list. It was Kyle Shermer. Oh, whoa. Oh, whoa. Sorry. All right, uh, yeah. All right. Off to a bad start. That's fine. By the way, did you see that Jordan Rogers now has two at number one, Jake Fromm number two? No way. Really? He does. That's crazy. Does. Wow. It's a weekly ranking. Don't forget that. It's weekly. Yeah, yeah. Even though he never said that. But okay. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. At running back, um, Nick Brissett and Scotty Phillips. And I think that if you were an LSU fan coming into this year, it, like, I mean, I, we all had questions about who was going to emerge in this in this backfield without Darius Geis, without Leonard Fournette, just not having a guy who you've been able to rely on the last few years as a 1,000-yard back returning. Um, but Brissett has filled that role admirably, and I know he struggled in the first part of that Florida game, but really got going, had that go-ahead touchdown uh, late yeah, in that game. legit, so... Yeah, and Scotty Phillips, a guy that might not be getting that much love nationally, I think he's ranked number 11 right now in FBS and rushing, which is pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, because I think, you know, he replaces a guy in Jordan Wilkins who was pretty underrated, I think. Right. 
um, during his time at Ole Miss, but performing really well. Probably because of the name, too. Scotty Phillips, like, seems like the guy in, like, a small town that, like, you go to, like, either for, I don't know, like, yard work? Like, like, Scotty Phillips landscaping. Or, like, Scotty Phillips general store, stuff like that. It's a great name. I definitely just pictured a scenario in which Scotty Phillips is mowing the lawn and neighbor Terry Wilson is peeking over the fence going, how's yeah. it going, Scotty? Scotty Phillips sounds like a, like a guy who's like kind of older but still in shape a little bit. And he's like always wearing flannel. He's like, hey, man, Scotty, good to see you. Good to see you, man. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We should go on the ball field sometime. I'm going to run through a, a few of the notables that, that I had here. Uh, Jerry Judy at wide receiver. Um, we knew the talent was there, but this mm. is still a guy who last year averaged one catch and 15 yards per you game. You didn't see that coming. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, I didn't have my, my first team or second team All-SEC quarterback battle. Uh, but Jerry Judy is is has been ridiculous this year, obviously, with Tua. He is, he's in line for first team All-SEC honors. Uh, on the defensive line, it was Florida heavy. I had Ja'Kai Polite. I had Jabari Zuniga. And then, you know, Alabama's Quinnen Williams, who has been so dominant this year. And then the return spot, you saw this coming. I know. You got, I, mean, I know. My J- Jalen Waddle, the slipperiest player in college football. You heard it here first in the SDS podcast. Tell me why Jalen Waddle is perhaps the greatest thing since sliced bread. Well, I mean, he's not the great. I mean, sliced bread's fantastic. If you ever had a sandwich it without is. sliced bread, can you imagine cavemen with all that bread after they cook the bread and those bread makers? I didn't think that one through. Regardless, <laughs> reg- <laughs> regardless, um, I mean, my biggest didn't see that coming on this team was you pronouncing that entire D-line right. That was incredible. I, I practiced. Thank you I for really taking did. that over because I, I had a hard time with That's why Michael Scarn is so much yeah, easier. Yeah, way better. Um, anyway, yeah, Jalen Waddle's great. And I, don't, I really don't know what it is. Like, I mean, he's really fast. He's one of the fastest guys on the team, like legit 4-3 guy. But he gets out of tackles. Same with Judy. I didn't realize. I mean, Judy plays like he's like a 220-pound receiver. Mm-hmm. I mean, and he's not. No, but he'll be the yeah, judge this... of that. Ooh. What? Yeah, yeah there you I go. I see. What you want. I will say I this though: Quinton Williams is the biggest surprise of the entire season for me. A guy who was buried on that depth chart and is just been so dominant. I think he, Pro Football Focus yeah. had him as the the highest rated interior defensive lineman in the country right now. The that's, entire, that's pretty impressive. I think he's the highest rated defensive player in the country this year. He, yeah, he might be. Yeah, and Deontay Thompson uh, number two. But I mean, yeah, I would say. On like the opposite side of that, didn't see that coming. Stidham, for sure. Yeah, the, the flip side yeah. of yeah, the the not impressive. Cam start. Martin. That Ooh, was Cam. Cam with a K. Yeah. We assumed that he was going to go off because the K, at at Auburn, but that that has not happened yeah. uh, so far. Let's let's talk. Uh, speaking of of Auburn and, and Florida and uh, teams that we haven't talked about just yet, so we've got some over under for these other three games with Florida Vandy, Tennessee Auburn, and then Ole Miss and Arkansas. That one being played in Little Rock. Let's start with Florida and Vandy. I know you're shaking your head. You don't Rock. like don't that that game it. is in Little Rock. I War Memorial Stadium. You, you got to let it be Memorial. a thing. That place should hold up. Sounds so hundred and fifty thousand cool. people. Yeah, with a name like that. I would think so, too. Yeah. I, every stadium that has Memorial Stadium in it, which is basically half of college football, should have at least 150,000 people. Yeah, I think, I'd agree with that. Yeah, I think it's fair. Let's talk different numbers for this Florida-Vandy game. How many times on the broadcast are they going to reference a letdown or sleeper game for Florida? I set the over-under at 6.5. What do you got? So I think it depends 
on whether or not Florida has a little bit of a letdown. They look a little sleepy. Well, that's, what? that's what part happened? of the equation. In like the first quarter. I, I don't understand what was going on with this line. Usually Vegas is smarter than I am. I don't get why it's only a seven-point game or seven-point line. I would say it's going to be under. Interesting. That's a, that's a lot. But I mean, like, I don't see why this game would be close. It would be close just because Florida's offense still is not necessarily a juggernaut. Right. If the defense isn't getting takeaways and getting the defensive touchdowns like it did against Tennessee, where it had six takeaways, it's a little bit of a different scenario, I think, now, uh, just in terms of lighting up the scoreboard. I've got one for you. I'm going to add this one in here. Okay. All right. It's not an over-under, but who ends up ranked higher on Jordan Rodgers' weekly quarterback rankings, oh, Kyle Schirmer or Felipe Franks? He dropped Felipe Franks to number 13 after beating LSU. Okay. All right. So, I I don't know. Just flip a coin. It does, it, does it matter? My, my brain's still on that pretzel you were talking about. I know. I'm sorry. How about... Answer the question. Speaking of... Oh, I'm, I mean, Kyle Schirmer's going to be okay, rated higher. Who are we Just kidding? Come on. Of course. Uh, Dan Mullen trick plays in this game. We got to see a trick play from him in each of the last two games. Um... I'm going to set the over-under at 1.5. I'm going to say under. I would assume he wouldn't need a trick play. Eh, you like putting it on tape, though. You like putting it on tape. Yeah, I, that's fair. But, I, I mean... You get Georgia coming up. You just yeah, get practicing okay. a few more things. I didn't think that one through. Um, who are they playing? Oh, they're, and they're off next week. Right. So, yeah, he'll probably just the entire offense will be trick plays. That way there's no game tape awesome. for, for Georgia. That would be awesome. Our, our guy, Luke Del Rio, all he wants to see is Kadarius Tony touches. All he oh, wants yeah. is like 10 to 15 touches for Kadarius Tony. He could line up a Wildcat. He could throw just every single time. If he could just do that. Does a flea flicker count? Uh, yeah, it's a trick play. Okay. It's, yeah. it's trickery. I like that. That's a yeah. good question. Thank you. Um, I spent a lot of time thinking about this. How about this? This this one's a little bit tougher. And this is, we talked about the, we talked about this line, and we're going to get to that a little bit more later on with Auburn Ooh. and whether or not it should be favored by three scores against uh, against Tennessee, although I think that line dropped. But yeah, touch, touchdowns for Auburn's offense. The over/under I am setting at three point five. That is such a perfect line for this. Thank I you. I mean, I would. I'm. I don't know why I keep going back to this. I mean, they're like my cigarettes, man. I just can't can't quit them. <laughs> um, yeah, Auburn. Auburn and like betting on Auburn has become probably the most unhealthy relationship I've you know I've had. So thanks a lot. It's saying a lot. It's saying a lot. It's saying a lot. I mean, you know how much I love food. So there's that. Um, I'm going to go, I hate doing this. I'm going to go over. Because if you look at it, I know they they got beat last week. They look bad. But they should be able to score in Tennessee's defense. They're at home. And, I mean, they they should have scored twice last week. They weren't weren't called by the refs correctly. I might go with the under on that. Really? Because I think they hit a few field goals. I think they still win this game, but I don't know, man. Even, will know. they hit a few field goals? Because they've missed a bunch this year, which is Which really, is so un-Auburn-like. Yeah. Yeah, That's a good one. That's a really good one. This You're going to like this next one. We talked about this, and it might mean too much. Ooh. References to Gus Malzahn's new contract, whether that's buyout-related or whether that's seven years, $49 million-related, the over-under I am setting at 2.5. And this is like by the broadcast team. This is by the broadcast, because, I mean, of course. Not on it Twitter. It would be 2.5 like million at the game. Yes. Um, I'm going to say definitely over. Definitely over. 
That's like Bernie it's a, Madoff it's stuff, It's a man. fine line, though. It's, it's a fine line because if you're the broadcast crew and if you keep bringing it up and if you keep... You bring it up once probably in the pregame. And then maybe you bring up the you know the thirty-two million dollar buyout or something like that, and how you know that was the talk of right. the town this week or something like that nationally speaking. How's that tumors lemonade? Huh? Speaking of lemonade, anyway, if you bring it up again, you you might catch some flack. The broadcast crew, you know, you got to remember like they still work with these coaches, yeah. talk with them before the game. A little bit different on the Paul Feinbaum show. Different story. Different story. I mean, but two point five, I, I feel like way over. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Not even close. Let's stick with Auburn. This last one, and maybe this is a little bit more. Uh, th- this is a little bit more to do with Tennessee as well. Auburn rushing yards against Tennessee. I'm going to set the over under at 125, keeping in mind that they have not hit 100 yards rushing in their last three games. Um. Okay. So Tennessee's given up 158 yards rushing per game. It's a lot. It's a lot. Um. They looked a lot better against. Against Georgia though, and they they're coming off like a week off. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say over, because I don't think they're gonna be able to pass. I'm gonna say over. I don't think so either. I mean, yeah. it's, it's not that many yards in this offense with Gus Malzahn. Like they should be they should be well over this number. They should be around 200 per game. Auburn is sitting at number 78th in the country in rushing right now. And here's an even more interesting stat. So if you take away the 429 yards that they had against Alabama State, an FCS team, yeah, they're an FCS team, right? Yeah, yeah. Auburn would be at 111 rushing yards per game. That's the craziest stat I've seen this week. I I mean, I was traveling down in Orlando, man. I feel like you got all these crazy stats, and I'm just down there hanging out with people with spiderweb tattoos on their elbows. I... This is incredible. That's an incredible stat. I still believe in Auburn. I don't know why. But I would say over 125. It would have to be I right. See, I see little beads of sweat coming off I don't like. I, I, I didn't that. feel right when I said it out loud. You, you look nauseous saying it. Well, oh, I would really say do. nauseous. I mean, like, it's, I mean, I realized last week I was like going over some gambling, some gambling stats of my own. Yeah, the two biggest losses I've had all year are because of Auburn. It's kind of like a win. I'll take the over in that. I say they finally have a bounce back game. Uh, at least rushing, you got to be able to get over 125 against Tennessee. How about this? Let's move on to, to Ole Miss, Arkansas, played at War Memorial Stadium. Yeah. There's a George Carlin joke in there somewhere about well, let's, you know, let's leave it there and let him do it, even though he's dead. Yeah, too soon. Um, how many broadcast reference? How many how many times on the broadcast are we going to get an accidental reference to Fayetteville instead of Little Rock? I mean, it has to, if it's if the over under is a half, just the over under is a half. I mean, it has to be over. So so it's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to sound rude, but like I feel like a lot of those Arkansas metropolises probably just look the same. Shout out to Little Rock. Uh, never been there. Would like to Great go there song. sometime. Um, Scotty Pippen. Little Rock, oh my God, Arkansas. Go. So, yeah, um, yeah I, I would agree. I think I think it's going to happen at least once. How about this? We we love this is maybe our favorite over under that we talk about every single week. Jordan Tamu, JT, uh, our guy. How many passing yards is he going to have in this game? The over under I am setting at three hundred fifty. Okay, first off, I want to say one more time how proud I am of you for setting these lines because they're great. You're Thank you. this one. You're you're off on. It's going to be way way over. Really? I mean, and the reason why is because Arkansas's defense has played better, but their run defense is really good. And Ole true. Miss, I mean, they've run the ball pretty well. Scotty Phillips. Oh, man. Scotty Phillips. Scotty Phillips, Terry Wilson, man. Those two. Doing you ever seen work. them together? Those two just, oh, man. They, 
Talk about a good time. We were down at the American Legion a couple weeks ago, kicking back a few brews. Those two were hilarious. Anyway, I would say it's way over this. And Tamu, I told everyone last week, it was a guaranteed lock. They were going to cover that spread, and he was going to put up ridiculous numbers. His numbers in the first quarter alone almost first quarter alone almost covered this. I'll take the under. I'll go the other way. You set the line, just so, so that we can reference this. Whatever. Yeah, no, I did. I did definitely cheat. Um, we can't have a shootout in this game because there are no longer guns allowed at War Memorial Stadium. It's a duel. As we know. Like, no longer? Did you say no? Were, were there? Yeah, I there hope like once, only two once years ago. Once upon a time. Once upon a time. Way too soon. Um, okay, last one. How many Thai story? This story is of a hurl the story references? of a hurl. Yeah, way over, way over zero. The over-under is zero. Um, I was going to set the over-under at negative, but then I realized you could easily just walk that back and say, well, zero is more than negative five. I mean, I wouldn't have walked that back. It's a math question. Yeah, math is hard. They're not going to say that. And if they do, um, I'm just going to quit Well, you know, regardless of how great my singing is, let's get into the fun stuff, Connor. All right? It's Wednesday. That was the fun stuff. Unbelievable. Numbers, stats, actual journalism, disagree. Let's get to the fun stuff. Let's talk (laughs) gambling. Um, Let's do it. Each and every week, we talk about the, the week's games ahead. Wow, I just put an S on every single one of those words. I got to get a nap in. The week's games ahead. The week's aheads. games ahead, and everyone's that's doing it. Anyway, uh, the upcoming games for that weekend. <laughs> and with our good friends at MyBookie, make sure you guys head on over there. Use the promo code SDS. They'll match your initial deposit up to 100%. Uh, go on there after 7 o'clock. This game with Ole Miss and Arkansas starts at 7.30 Eastern time. Use the promo code SES25. They will match your initial deposit up to 100% and add 25 extra dollars. It's great. You can do anything there. In-game lines. Say you're on a flight back from Orlando last night. Just had a nice little uh, little late din-din at Bahama Breeze at the airport. Great, great airport in Orlando. But you might have missed getting your bet in for the, the sox Yankees game. Wait, you didn't go to the chilly stairway to heaven? Okay, everything you just said hurts my heart. There's a Chili's a on the second to floor. Heaven where you take an, el- an escalator up to the Chili's, and it's just a Chili's that overlooks security. It's incredible. If, you yeah, have, if you've been to the Orlando Bahama airport, for, you know what I'm talking Abier about. I went to Abbeer to pass the time because I got there super early, and I didn't want to spend over $100 because there were so many cool stores there, and I love the airport. Anyway, then some lady at the bar asked me like, what my sign was, and I had to close out and leave. Mm-hmm. So say you couldn't get your bet in on time. You forgot, you know, it was a first pitch between Sox Yankees at 8.07. You're up in the air. Got on that Delta Wi-Fi, in-game betting from, uh, from my bookie. It was perfect. And Sox won. Moving on, Uncle Chris. It's a get-back week for me. little redemption needed. Had a tough one last week. Uh, Auburn cost me. I went 7-7 seven and seven, uh, on the week. I am now 59-30 and 30 on the year. Still not bad. 66%. It's fine. Moving on to this week's games. Are you ready? Just a sec. You said this is going to be a get-back week like for you. Like get-back to redemption. Like get-back to, to winning. All right. I would refer to that as a bounce-back week. When I, think, when I hear get-back, I think like, get-back, get, you know, DMX. That's ludicrous, um, but okay. That's ludicrous. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what I meant. Absolutely. Um, well, let's just pretend I didn't yeah. say that. Yeah, I, I, you know what? I meant bounce-back, and that's, that's Big Sean. So, guys, stay for the commentary. Make sure you come for the, the hot takes on, on current rap trends. Yes. All right, you ready for the week's sevens games? Let's do it. First off, 12 o'clock, Florida heads to Vandy in a hangover, uh, sleepy, letdown, whatever you want to call it matchup. Florida is a seven-point favorite on the road. The over-under is 50 and a half. What you got? This is almost 
too obvious of a sleeper letdown. I'm going to hit the over-under with that. Um, yeah. Opportunity for Florida. They're going to hear about that all week long. I, I think that they actually show up somewhat ready to go, even though I don't expect them to pour on the points. Right. I still think that they win this game by more than a touchdown. Give me the Gators. Yeah, I don't see how Vandy puts up a lot of points. I mean, Shermer has quietly put up 1,400 yards passing this year. Um, sorry for the sirens here, guys. Anyway, I mean, he's he's had a pretty good year, regardless of how high our friend Jordan Rogers is on him. But I think the real play is probably the under at 15.5. I don't see how they're going to put that many points against this Gator defense, which has been incredible the past two to three weeks. So I'm going to say Florida covers. Seven, uh, what I'm going to do, you know what I love to do on my bookie? Buy it down yeah, a point. Down. You know it. Probably down to six, and I'm definitely going to take a teaser where it's just Florida to win and the under at 57.5. Play of the week. There you go. Up next, 12 o'clock, my favorite game of the year, Tennessee at Auburn. Auburn is a 15.5-point favorite. The over-under is 47. This line opened at Auburn favored by 18. Already dropped. Drop it. Yeah. Drop it. I was surprised it opened that high. That's what I said the other day. I thought you, you, that's still just yeah. so many. To assume that Auburn is going to win by three scores, or score three scores, I, yeah, serious, or score a touchdown yeah. um, is kind of asking for a lot. I, I'm still maybe maybe this turns out to be like a 27-13 game uh, that Auburn wins, but 15 and a half just seems like so off. much. Give 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 me Tennessee. So I am against my better judgment. I'm going to go with Auburn again. And the reason why is because I feel like at some point this offense has to pick it up. And they're going to be at home. They're really good at home. Tennessee, I know they're coming off a bye week. I know Jeremy Pruitt is very familiar with this offense. That being said, at some point Auburn has to get better, right? And that defense is still legit. Right? Yeah, it it absolutely is. And I feel bad for it that it's gassed and has nothing left at the end of these yeah. games. I mean, I'm going to root for a lightning storm, so I don't have to watch this game. I'll be honest with you. Um, <laughs> 3.30. Well, actually, you know, let's save. Actually, we'll go. Let's save that yeah, for the end. A&M, yeah. two and a half point favorite, heads to beautiful Columbia, South Carolina. They, uh, what is, I'm trying to see. The over-under is 52 and a half. This, this line was not available on Sunday, right? Right. right. I, don't, I don't think it was. So it's at yeah, two and a half. Yeah, because we didn't know the starting quarterback situation. Yeah. Um, I, if Michael Skarn is starting quarterback, um, I think he um, is able to dominate this game. No, well, I think he'd have some sort of success. But I think A&M wins, wins outright and covers. Um, I don't know why I had to say win outright because they're two and a half points. It was nice. Favorites. It was nice for you to say. Yeah, it was nice, I guess. But, uh, yeah, I just, I, like I said, I, I believe in Mike Elko's defense. I think that they're able to, to shut down a South Carolina offense that's been pretty one-dimensional with Jake Bentley. Um, and sometimes not even that one dimension. Um, by the way, uh, this game, can we, can we get more of last week? Can we, can we just have that every single time South Carolina plays a game? Oh, no. Because I know, no, 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 like, all right, maybe every other week or something. Um, that looked so much, that looked like so much fun. And I think if you're a South Carolina team that, let's be honest, they're not playing for a division title anymore. I, I want that to make them more entertaining because I don't think this offense oh, yeah. in its current state is is that entertaining. But playing in monsoon is right. Much it's like better. when you're playing like, you know, NCAA on on like PlayStation. Like, where's it at? Let's play it in the big house at night. It's gonna be thirty degrees and raining. Yeah, they should play every game like just like on a tour across the the southeast now. In all kinds I'm of conditions, I mm-hmm. I don't understand why this is this line is this close. I'm a little bit surprised. I know A and M. 
What I really don't like about this game is that A&M's traveling over a thousand miles. They're traveling 1,040 miles. That is the same amount of distance from Atlanta to Boston. It's like almost the exact same distance. Okay, as the crow flies, as my grandpa would say. All right. Now that being said, this is isn't this like a trophy game? Yeah, Will Muschamp didn't even know that it was a, a trophy Thank game. Thank God. He, yeah. yeah, don't just don't put that on me. That's I mean, this is like that's the Big Ten move. Yes, it that's is. That's what they do with the Big it Ten. Is. Wisconsin has played for a trophy in every regular season game against a Big Ten team for the last ever. Man, so it really didn't like, you know, lose any of its luster, huh? Uh, apparently not. It's just the millennial. We won the way. bucket game, didn't... lost the broom game, also won like the turtle dove game. That was a pretty big one. We play that every year uh, when we watch Home Alone two. Uh, in December. Shout out Kevin McCall. Without a doubt. I don't think this is close. I think A&M's going to win. By a lot. I agree. Uh, up next, 7 o'clock. Actually, let's do 7.30. Ole Miss, a 6.5 point favorite, headed to Little Rock. What do you think about that? that was yeah, I know. Weird. Over under 70.5, Ole Miss, Arkansas. What you got? I'd be taking the over in this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though I did say under for... Uh, JT, 350 passing yards. Which was stupid. Stupid, stupid. Um, by the way, that's that's like a Jeremy Pruitt imitation from uh, what he sounded like in two-a-days back in the day. People who watch two-a-days know what I'm talking about. They better. Anyway, I'm going to move on. Um, Ole Miss covers in this one, I think, uh, even though this nobody gets out of War Memorial Stadium. A lot, yeah. Literally, it is, it is a battlefield. Yeah. Um, I, I do think, though, that Ole Miss, given what they have at receiver – they just overpower Arkansas. I, I don't know. Even last week, Arkansas had to had to face those you know loaded Alabama receivers, and we saw how much that they struggled. I think Ole Miss kind of is able to do some similar things on the outside and really kind of take advantage of that. Give me Ole Miss to win by uh, ten points. Um, oh, real quick, to, uh, just a, a betting little advice here on the last game we talked about A and M Carolina. You know A and M is four and zero in the last four games against Carolina. But Carolina's three and one against the spread. Just a heads up. I'm gonna throw that out there. Something's yeah, gotta something's give. Gotta give. Now, uh, seamless transition back to Ole Miss, Arkansas. Ole Miss has lost five in a row to Arkansas. Is that right? Probably. That's crazy. I did not realize that. I know they had that crazy game where. Um, yeah. Because Cole Kelly won the big game last year, where he comes right. in and it's like, oh wow, this. 2015, they had the crazy fumble reverse, like across the field to Alex Collins from whoever they're really good tight end was. It's like 4th and 25 is against Ole Miss. Anyway, I don't see that happening this week. I understand how good Tua is. I understand, you know, that they have a lot of weapons and Alabama's a different animal. I would take the over. I think that's definitely the play. Um, I don't see them being able to slow down NWO. I just, I don't. Like, they gave up 396 yards passing last week to Bama on only 14 completions. And I, you could argue that Ole Miss actually has a better receiving core than Alabama. I know the Ole Miss defense is terrible. They have they rank 103rd or worse in the four major defensive statistical categories. In, yeah, it's terrible. So, yeah, I like the over, but I definitely I like Ole Miss to win and, and cover six and a half. Uh, the 7 o'clock game in Tuscaloosa, Missouri, heads to Alabama, 28-and-a-half-point favorite for the Tide. How about this? The over-under, 75-and-a-half. I've Man. never, never heard of that. That's what the same exact uh, over/under last week for Louisiana Monroe and Ole Miss. I think they're expecting like a, a 56-28 game or something like that. Where, I, I mean, I could see that happening. Why, why couldn't you? The, the Bama secondary is still banged up. I mean, you know that two is going to put up big numbers in the first 
two minutes, uh, probably going to have, you know, three touchdown lead. And then it's like, oh, Bama secondary is still not playing as well as it should. And to a, throw another touchdown pass for us, we feel a little bit better. Um, that's probably what's going to happen. Uh, I, I still think that Bama is winning this game by five touchdowns. Give me 35 points. Bama wins this game. Uh, well, let me see if I can do really quick math. Sixty-three to twenty-eight. You think Bama's sure. going to put up sixty-three points? Yeah. Oh, so I I don't think Bama covers twenty-eight and a half, and I don't I don't think the over hits either. I, I think Ooh. Missouri's defense is a lot better than people think, and also I think we talked about it last week. Their run defenses. Yeah. Their run defenses. Pass defenses. Yeah. <sighs> but we talked about this last week, and somebody asked the question: Do you think Saban ever intentionally tries to call plays or? you know, shape a game or a game plan in a way that would make the tide look not as good. So they have something to work yeah, on. Yeah, of course. I definitely see that happening. Because he's bored. Yeah. yeah. So I think you're going to see a lot of trick plays, yep. a lot of, I don't know, probably Jalen and Tua package again. I mean... By the way, I put that, I wrote that article on Saturday Night on South. Quick shameless plug for me. Um, five plays that Bama could run with Jalen and Tua on the field together. Got a little Philly special talk to wheel routes go check that out yes also true check that out so that's what i think i think mizzou covers the spread um and also if you are there if you're at the game hit me up if you have tickets definitely hit me up uh and i can hook you up with our friends at ticket city no big deal nice anyway last but not least the game of the week uga at lsu uga georgia fans are gonna georgia fans are gonna crush me for this oh god georgia fans are gonna crush me for this okay well first off let's get the line out there uga Seven and a half point favorite at LSU. The over under is 50 and a half. Connor, break their hearts. I interrupted you because I don't care what the line is. I think LSU wins this game outright. I've been saying all along that I think that Georgia's one regular season loss is to, as at LSU. I think they end up going into the SEC championship at 11 and 1. But I think, I, I just think that the stretch, what I kept coming back to is the stretch coming into this. Georgia has not had to elevate its game to the level that LSU is going to be playing at, especially from a defensive speed standpoint. I just can't get over that fact. I love Jake Fromm. I think he's tremendous. I am much more of a Jake Fromm fan than most, I think, and I have been for a very long time. I think this is a little bit of a tough go for him, um, just moving the ball downfield. I, I don't think it's easy to do against that LSU defense, especially that secondary. Joe Burrow gets a big-time home win. LSU stays in the playoff picture. Beats the dogs. Okay. Let me ask you a serious question. I want you to be honest. Do you really think that's going to happen because of the two teams? No, I really do. I really do. Be, are you doing what you did against like Kansas State, Mississippi State? No, okay. no, 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 no. Sticking I've been saying guns. that. I've been saying that for. I've been saying it since since August, and I, I especially with what I saw from LSU last week, I think they show up a little bit ticked off in this one. I think they show up ready to go. We know that Coach O is going to have that group. Firing on all cylinders early. They come out so strong in every single game, and I think that's because you have someone like yeah. Coach O who, I mean, as you know from your dealings with him, knows how to fire people up. That's just what he does. Let me tell you something, Connor. Now, we got a big okay. opportunity this week. As you know, opportunity start with O. Orgeron start with O. We got a dog coming in here. Dog cute. Dogs are cute. Little furry bulldog sitting in the house, eating our ice chips, little ugger. Dog ain't no tiger. Okay, dog ain't no tiger. All dog go to heaven. Pretty good movie, if you know what I'm saying. Okay. First off, I'm excited. We all excited. 
Coming to Death Valley, touchdown, underdog. Underdog. Ooh, I see what I did there. Yeah, I got, I got, I hate to do this. I got Georgia winning, but not covering the spread. That's, this is going to be a great game. I'm excited yeah. for this one. I, I do wish it was at night, but it's, that's still going to be such a great 3.30 CBS game. I'm, I mean, I'm very, very We're going to be mad. We're going to be fired up. Well, a couple weeks ago, I listened to the show, listened to podcasts. I, I, don't, I got so mad. Deuteronomy. Okay, I can't pronounce that. Trying to spell it. Made me real mad. That's how mad our team gonna be coming out this weekend. I'm fired up. LSU to Romney. <laughs> Tim Tebow calling you out for not pronouncing Deuteronomy. I can't even pronounce it. It's probably a good thing yeah. I didn't try. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, for mispronouncing that is still one of my all-time favorite moments that we've had on we this. We need to put like an apostrophe in there so we can start pronouncing it correctly since we've gotten so good at Hawaiian names. Good yeah. point. Really All right, let's move on to fourth and wrong before we close it out here. Uh, we have a couple of questions you guys sent us. We do this every week, fourth and wrong. It's one of my favorite segments, probably my favorite segment. Uh, non-football-related questions or advice. Have you, have you gone over them yet, Connor? I don't want to put you on the spot. I'm, I'm good to go. Okay. I'm good to go. All right, first question. This comes from Sean O'Brien. Sean O'Brien. Two ends. From Instagram, which part of a childhood movie completely scarred you? Now, when we say childhood movie, is that just a movie that we saw when we were when we were kids? It doesn't have to be like a Disney movie, right? Uh, whatever you want to do. All right. See Goodfellas when I was a kid? Oh. Probably like, I don't know, like 12 years old or something like that. And the way that they talked about killing people and even like the TV version of Goodfellas. I know they oh, I they, fouled they, up, they everything. That's uh that that one's that one's tough to watch. I, I was a little bit scarred from that. I was a little Are you bit able to watch it mob now that you're an um, no, I'm I'm probably even more terrified. Oh, Connor, you live in Orlando. There's no mob there. I know, but there 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 are things. Well, okay. There are people with with crazy tattoos who um, do a lot of meth. That I, I don't yes. know what what they do in their free time. That should be like the state flag of Florida. Just a, a mugshot of a meth head. Anyway, I, so I have there's a movie called The Witches. You ever seen this? Mm-mm. It's a, it's a movie. It's like all these witches. Like they they go to this conference, but like you don't know they're witches. And at one point, they all turn into rats. And like in the scene, oh my. they turn into rats. Like and their skin is like coming off their their. It's like a PG movie. So that scene is like legitimately still like one of the scariest things. Uh, the other one, when I was nine, um, my cousins who were all like they were all raised by their their dad. I was raised by my mom, so like they were like more rough around the edges, horsing around. My grandpa was a marine. Took us to see a movie. So I chose Tom and Huck because I was nine, and it was age appropriate. He took them to go see Heat. And so I just had to sit in the movie theater by myself in Stone Mountain, Georgia, which is now a Tupac memorial, it's real life, for an hour and a half and play Area 51. That was the worst movie experience I ever had. (laughs) But sorry, Goodfellas was so tough. Anyway, um, next question. Your worst... Or most embarrassing sports moments. This is brought to you by Stephen Hamner on Twitter. Hmm. How about you go first with your college baseball most embarrassing? Yeah, it, I mean, I was playing against a kid at Middle Georgia. We were playing actually against Josh Reddick, and so I was like all fired up. He's a really good hitter, and whoever was on the mound was like a transfer from South Carolina, and he threw me a one zero fastball that I hit roughly a million miles. And I yelled out, get out of here, ball. 
and went into a home run trot, and uh, it hit the bottom of the fence. And I had to hustle out a double, and then on the next pitch, he um, hit my best friend in the ribs. I feel like the last part of that wasn't necessarily, you know, I didn't really need that. I still want to say sorry again. Sorry for me. (laughs) Uh, My most embarrassing was uh, probably, yeah, freshman year, freshman football, breaking down uh, in practice to tackle our quarterback who's scrambling. And you really don't know all the rules all the time of whether or not you can tackle a quarterback or whatever. They they don't say anything about whether or not a quarterback from the B team can run you over and completely embarrass you. And that's what he did. If I asked this kid about this hit that he delivered on me to this day, the quarterback, he would still remember and be like, oh yeah, how are you doing? I I mean, you know. It was bad. It was. I, I did not go into concussion protocol. I probably. I feel like you, you told that story about like like quarterbacks, like the way most people talk about snakes. Like they're just as scared of you as you are of them. It's fine, Connor. You Basically. Got this. Uh, all right, we have two more, real quick. Crunchy or creamy? That is from Alex Bradley Moon on Instagram. <laughs> no question. No, there's no no question about this. It's, it's crunchy all day, every yeah, day. Yeah, completely agree. Completely agree. I feel like we should do another one because I wasn't. That, okay, that's so not. We, we that's have, not we even. Need two more. Um. From Nick, from underscore Nick, underscore 363 on Instagram, if you could trade one SEC team out of the conference for another, who would you trade slash receive? I mean, if we're talking basic what makes the conference better, it's it's not close. Earmuffs, Vandy fans, earmuffs. Um, I'm trading Vandy and taking Clemson because Clemson, Dabo versus Saban every single year, would be epic, and I would just. We did that with the good out of a seven game conference schedule. Yeah, yeah, probably would. Yeah, no, that that'd be awesome. I did a conference realignment thing uh, to fix yeah. college football before this year with the relegation rule, right. which Vandy would be a great, great candidate for the relegation rule. What about any of the thirty-eight uh, Louisiana schools? Throw one of them in there. No, I would say this. Now, hear me out on this. I'm going Louisville for the basketball. To make the conference better, I'm going to bring them in, and I'm going to kick out. I hate to say this because I, I love these people, but I would say Mizzou. Just because they're so wow. they're so they're such a perfect fit for the Big Ten. I mean, I like yeah, Mizzou. I think I, they're I'm, more I, a lot, but I'm just saying. I think Mizzou in the Big Ten makes does make a lot of sense. I would you know, I would say that Louisville basketball Louisville basketball in the post Rick Pitino era. Eh, I don't know about that, right, but. Well. Glad I brought it up. Anyway, last one, last but not least, which sport should be eliminated from the Winter Olympics from Tyrese on Instagram? Tyrese. I, man, I don't think any of them. What? what? I love the Winter Olympics. I love. You the like Winter the Winter Olympics? Maybe. No, no, no. Here about how about this? How about this? How about um, the um, the figure skating uh, like the. the where they have the, the partners, what do they call that? Like team figure skating? Yeah. Where it's, you know, like a team. I think that's dumb. I think if, that's, you, if that's you're going to be in an individual go sport. The, the team figure skating is the worst winter Olympic sport. That's what's really dragging down the Winter Olympics. Yes. Wow, that is, um, that's different even for you. I would say that stupid cross-country skiing slash no, shooting event. That, that is so that. dumb. That is so dumb. That's just survival. That, that's all that is. And up next, That's we why just have great. a three-month watch of somebody in their cabin by themselves, living off the land. That that would be a better sport to watch. 
they got to do the shooting, and it's it's all kinds of concentration and, and endurance. Yeah, I don't, they have to like do a lap if they miss one. Anyway, that's what I would go with. I uh, also want to give one shout out real quick to Krusty Andy from Instagram, who was hilarious. He uh, sent us videos all weekend of him being forced to go to a fall wedding in South Bend. So shout out to you for enduring that. That was the worst. <laughs> Let's end with it might mean too much. Hannah Fields submitted this on Twitter. Um, absolutely love this. My parents went to a worship conference where the, the main pastor was a UGA fan. He kept calling out Auburn, uh, Tennessee, and Florida. He kept calling them the axis of evil. And told Auburn fans to raise their hands because they still need Jesus. And told a joke about calling God from Athens uh, and how it's local distance. Hashtag, it might mean too much. When you're, when you're bringing this into church and uh, you're, you're calling out rivals... Um, you know, saying that they're part of the axis of evil, I, I'd say that's the definition of it uh, might be too much. I need to meet this pastor. I need to hear more views on him. Um, if there's a YouTube link to anything he does, I need to find that. Um, but thank you, Hannah Fields, I, for, for sending that. Yeah, that definitely means too much. I don't, I, I, want, I would love to know what denomination. I, also, I'm um, uncomfortable. Let's move on to the next one. <laughs> All right, let's really, really wrap things up with one quick five-star review that we got to get to. This was tremendous. Um, from W.T. Pace, subject line, like Texas Pete on Kirby's Waffle House breakfast. Love it. The SEC is great, but this podcast makes it even better. Connor and Chris are insightful and seriously entertaining. They help me get from game day to game day with interesting takes from all over the SEC and be on to the Family Feud and the Office references to awesome interviews with SEC legends, Tim Tebow, Luke Del Rio. Uh, this podcast is a must for any SEC fan. And Connor, it's pronounced LSU and Clemson. No, oh my it's God. Like, it's like nails on a chalkboard when you drop the H and the P. You're in the South now, so get it right. Marler, it's got to be confusing having family in South Carolina, living in Georgia, and pulling for Bama, so you just keep doing your thing. SEC, 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 and go dogs in Brady Hope. Clemson. 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 Okay. I just want to have one thing um, where I pronounce the school so weird that it's like Lee Corso with Washington. Oh, yeah. I want that. I need give me a school where I can just come up with a weird pronunciation, and pretty soon everybody's kind of do it. I know older people do that, but he's Florida. the only one in the public eye. Florida. Nah, I have, I have to say that one too much. Give me one that I say a little bit less often. Uh, Arcan. How about Arkansas? Pretty good. Missouri is the worst yeah. with an H. That is the worst. Yeah, I don't like that. Mm-hmm. That that offends me, and I'm not even from there. Yeah, yeah no, I don't like that. Um, but thank you guys for five-star reviews. Please continue to send those in. Rate, review, all of that stuff. Tell your friends to subscribe. If you're not subscribing yet, I mean, I don't know what you're waiting yeah, for. what is going on? Doing it. Make sure that you are watching Facebook Live every Monday night and Saturday morning. Whenever Chris rolls 10 out o'clock. of bed. We might actually do a Facebook Live tonight. Because uh, I, I wasn't able to do it on Ooh. Monday because I was traveling to Orlando. But make sure you check it out on Saturday morning as well. Are you going to have Facebook Live from Tuscaloosa? Yeah. On, on mm-hmm. Ooh. And again, cool. one more time, make sure you're going to breakingtea.com yes. slash TTDB and getting that awesome, awesome throw the day and ball shirt. I can't wait. Follow us on follow us on Instagram also to see uh, tremendous content that we've had this week, like the Michael Scarn uh, Threat Level Midnight movie poster, which 
Sadly, we're not going to get to see Michael Scarn get to get his revenge Ridiculous. against Golden Face. Uh, very unfair. Hope, hope Will Muschamp uh, will rethink that for the sake of us. Follow us on Twitter at the SDS Pod at CMarlerSDS at CJ O'Gara. Coach O, you got a big one this weekend, but the people need to remember during Week Seven one important thing. What is that one important? Am I means Umago Tiger? I know. Enjoy Week Seven. Week Seven. I don't like State Farm. <laughs>